Welcome everybody here to this Lakers Lowdown Live Edition on this Sunday evening, uh, following free agency, basically. The Lakers offseason is just about set, I would say. Uh, they, they're, you know, they still need a backup big, I guess, uh, you know, or a third big, I guess. Uh, but they have brought back Austin Reeves. They have brought back Rui. They have brought back D'Lo. Signed Gabe Vincent, signed Torian Prince, uh, opted into their contract with uh, Jared Vanderbilt, right? Um, and then you have the the Hay signing. They had their draft and, and all of that good stuff. And, and yeah, this is basically your 2023-2024 Lakers team. And the reason I look off into the distance there is because I'm thinking, good God, that sounds like the future. Um, so... So anyway, uh, I have I see your uh, your your questions here um, off to the side. Keep those coming. If you have a a subject that you definitely want covered on the show, you can leave it in the form of a five star review on iTunes. Uh, just search Lakers Lounge on iTunes, and you will find that there. But yeah, the way that I'm going to do this is uh, go from top to bottom in terms of the most important moves that the Lakers made. Um, and then and then if we have some time there at the very end, we will answer some questions. I have my handy-dandy uh, sound effect right here. All ready to go. So let's go ahead and get to it. So let's start with uh, Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves was known from day one of the season ending that um, he was coming back. This was never in question. There was never any doubt. There was never even like any conversation within the Lakers internally of like, are you sure? Nope. They, uh, they knew from absolute, from the absolute offset of or onset <laughs> dipset. Um, no, the they knew from the absolute onset of uh, the offseason that they were going to be bringing Austin Reeves back. He is uh, one, going to be one of their starting guards. Uh, and then you'll have Gabe Vincent and D'Angelo Russell fighting it out for who plays back there with him. But uh, and, and, you know, frankly, he's probably one of the more important players, maybe the well, outside of LeBron and A.D., He's probably the most important player here because he was such a big part of the Lakers improving over the course of last season. Um, and, and he is somebody that the Lakers see as like, not just, you know, a starting guard right now, he, and not just a starting guard coming off of a team or off of a season where the, you know, he was a big part of the Lakers getting to the Western conference finals, but he is, uh, a big part of why they feel like they are going to take a step forward this year, which you don't know pressure <laughs> Austin, uh, you know, you, you <laughs> not at all terrifying that an undrafted free agent, uh, in only a couple years has gone from that way of entering the league to now kind of something or somebody that the, the, the Lakers are hanging their hat on as how they are going to improve next year. And, you know, if he takes any step back whatsoever, the Lakers' ceiling drops considerably. 
their floor probably drops too because, you know, you look at their guard rotation, uh, D'Angelo Russell, him, Gabe Vincent, and then it's Max Christie, and then it's Jalen Hood Shafino. Um, they do not have very much room for error here, and he needs to be really, really good. Not not like, not, hey, you know, he's surprising. No, the, the he's entering this year with expectations, and if he doesn't live up to those expectations, the Lakers are kind of sort of screwed, which, you know, uh, I know... I know you guys probably get sick of me complaining about things that the Lakers don't do and, and, and all of that stuff. But, you know, one way that they could have um, mitigated against Reeves potentially not having it this year would have been to, you know, maybe not sign Vincent, not sign Tory and Prince, or sign uh, Prince to just the uh, taxpayer mid-level exception and then bring back Lonnie Walker or bring back uh, Dennis Schroeder or bring back, well, I guess Schroeder was priced out for them. So bring back Lonnie Walker or bring back, uh, you know, Malik Beasley for a little bit of guard depth there. And, and then obviously re-sign D'Angelo Russell and you have, you know, maybe an extra guard there and you can have those extra contracts that being in, in Malik Beasley and that being in Lonnie Walker or that being in Mobamba, had they picked up his original contract to be moved and make up for Reeves not being ready to to step into this kind of um, this kind of of I guess expectation level, but that is not the path that they took. They did use the the non taxpayer mid level. They did hard cap themselves by using the biannual exception. And and now if if Reeves doesn't quite have it, there just isn't very many options here. So again, uh, not I I fully expect um, Reeves to take a step forward here. I think he's actually going to be quite good. Uh, he is the kind of guy that you know Pete was on here and and you talk to anybody who's anywhere near the the, the Lakers organization and they say. Lonnie is the, or not Lonnie, uh, Reeves is the last person that they're afraid of like getting paid and then getting fat. Uh, that is, this is a, this is a guy who is just a psychopath and, uh, is, is one of the best competitors I think on this Lakers roster. So I, I fully expect this to work out. I fully expect him to, to step into this role and thrive in it. I'm really fascinated to see the way that Darwin and the coaching staff uh, put together an offense that has as many dynamic creators as the Lakers have, where you have Reeves, you have Vincent, you have Russell, you have that LeBron guy. Um, and a few, a couple of those guys are, are going to be on the court at all times. I would imagine um, not to mention Jalen hood, Shafino, which, you know, you, you, you watch him play the pick and roll in college. And he's a really interesting prospect as well. Reminds me a little too much of Taylor Horton Tucker for my liking, but still, um, you 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 see where where this team can really be dynamic and explosive, and Reeves I think is kind of the floor setter here, uh, maybe even the ceiling setter because if if what he was in the playoffs, not just from a you know creativity standpoint, not just from a competitive standpoint, but also like as a shooter, he was 
automatic almost. It was it would be surprising that he wouldn't knock down a shot. Um, if he is that, if he's that player, and if he bulks up a little bit, gets a little bit better defensively, then the Lakers have a bona fide, like legit starting point guard, borderline all star potentially. Uh, and 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 I think he'll get pretty damn close to those expectations. If not, somehow he's all he's done to this point is exceed expectations. If he does, if he exceeds expectations, good God, special player. The next most important uh, transaction that the Lakers made here was bringing back Rui Hachimura. This guy is uh, made for playoff basketball, right? Big guy, moves his feet better than you would anticipate such a big guy to to move his feet uh, as as well as he does, I guess. Um, Turned into a knockdown shooter in the playoffs. I don't know if that is necessarily who who, uh, he will be moving forward but if he's anything close to that and if he play if he competes and he plays defense the way that he did in the playoffs then this is an altogether great contract honestly reasonable contract that uh came in below what I thought it was going to come in at I had him closer to like 18 19 maybe 20 million bucks uh that he would start his next deal at he comes in below that which gives the Lakers a little bit of leeway here um, I thought they might have used that leeway to to you know bring back either Malik Beasley or uh, Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker, I guess an hour or so before I started recording, um, re- or, or not resigned, signed to play in Brooklyn. Gonna miss him. I really enjoyed Lonnie, but um, but yeah, I, I they they are not going to do that. It is going to be two minimum contracts that they sign, and they will bring their roster to fourteen and go into the season that way, uh, is, is what I'm told. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what that looks like. They could, and this is where I'm kind of hoping they, they, they use a little bit more of the money than they, than, you know, they, they, they could, um, if you bring back Malik Beasley, it's just a little bit more than the minimum, uh, even a million or two more than the minimum, you could use him in, in a trade more effectively than if it's just another minimum contract there. Um, I know he would be, he would happily take it because the, the market is completely dry now, but, but yeah, but back to, back to Rui, um, not as much expectation on Rui. Um, the, the situation isn't quite as dire if he doesn't take a step forward this year as it would be if, if, uh, Reeves doesn't, uh, you look at his position, right? You have Torian Prince that the Lakers signed, uh, right behind him. LeBron's pretty good. Uh, you have Jared Vanderbilt ready to step in. And uh, we'll see what Phil Handy is able to turn Cam Reddish into. But you do have a little bit more leeway there if Rui, you know, either, you know, plateaus at where what we saw from him in, in the playoffs or if he, uh, if he, if he takes a step back. Uh, I don't think he's going to take a step back. I wouldn't necessarily be shocked if the player that we saw in the playoffs is just kind of who Rui is from now on, or, or maybe slightly less than that, in which case it would be a step forward from last year and he would still be a very good player. Uh, but I also think though, when you, when the Lakers hand somebody 17 million bucks, they're expecting him to be, you know, a, a bona fide starter at a very important position. So, 
Um, yeah, I think I think Rui uh, probably takes another step forward this year. He is a hard worker. I I really trust the Lakers uh, player development staff and what he turns into. Uh, this is where you're talking about like setting the ceiling, right? I think Reeves sets the floor, but if Rui is like a a good wing, a legit starting caliber three and D wing, then uh, the Lakers have a whole bunch of versatility on the perimeter that they didn't have defensively last year. And that's a, that becomes really intriguing, right? Especially if he knocks down shots, if he knocks down shots and Reeves knocks down shots and uh, Russell and Vincent are, are, are capable from, from deep, then that is a whole bunch of, of, of spacing and productive spacing, practical spacing that the Lakers didn't really have at the, certainly at the very end of last year. And um, that is where the Lakers start to really look interesting because LeBron and AD with, with space on offense and then with capable defenders as those guys are, that's all I've been asking for. That's, that's, that's legitimately all I've been asking for. So yeah, congratulations to Rui. Uh, really cool that he went from essentially, <coughs> essentially being dumped, uh, essentially being, you know, take Kendrick Nunn and either a second rounder or whatever. It was very little in terms of, of draft capital and, and player capital that the Lakers gave up to get him. Uh, he showed up, I think, still pretty raw, I would say. And then all he did from there was earn bigger role and more responsibilities after bigger role and more responsibilities and eventually became a, you know, a really important part of the Lakers best lineups, uh, in it during their playoff run. So yeah, I, I think, uh, that is a player in Rui that they really see can, can take a step forward here and, and we'll see what that kind of looks like here, uh, moving forward. I am, uh, just kind of catching up to the comment section here and I promise I'm going to keep, an eye on on all of this <laughs> but yeah it is uh it is it is a lot to catch up with and, and keep uh while i monologue it is a lot to keep up with but if you do have questions um ask them i promise i'll try to get to them especially at the end of the show and uh we, we will keep this thing marching along but yeah just really last little thing on on rui um <clears throat> that that uh i i gives me a lot, a little extra faith that he is going to figure this out. And it is that, uh, you know, I used to kind of chuckle at the idea of players who like knew what it meant to be a Laker and, and all of that stuff. It was a cliche that I used to roll my eyes at. And, and I do think to a certain extent, it's like, it borders on that, on that line, right. Of, of, uh, the, 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 the negative, aspect of Lakers exceptionalism that like people are just exceptional because they are Lakers. Not that like you are expected to be exceptional because you are a Laker. Um, but when I hear about a player who before he became a Laker really, really, really wanted to be a Laker. And while he was at Gonzaga, uh, there are stories about him, Rui wanting to be a Laker and that makes me think like he has this opportunity in front of him to be a very important Laker, a, a, a critical part 
of a playoff run last year and a critical part of the Lakers maintaining momentum moving forward. Uh, and him like wanting to, to be a Laker in the past and now moving to here where he is one gives me just a little bit of extra like faith that, yeah, he's, he's ready for that light, these lights. And he was in the playoffs. He was ready for those lights assumed like he just remember he was knocking down shots and he was like back, <laughs> uh, trotting bad on back on defense before the shot even went in sticking out his tongue and just really competing in that way. It was awesome to see and him like relishing that and him, you know, being ready for it because years prior he wanted this makes me think that, yeah, this guy, this, this is a guy that the Lakers really uh, can, can build with and can, continue to build up all right the next one here and and this is uh, you could go one way or the other in terms of like the way that this these next two are listed but I really think that re-signing D'Angelo Russell is an important move um I know that we saw him last and we wanted to see less of him the last that we saw him I get it. I understand the frustrations, but D'Angelo Russell is still, when you look at this roster, you have LeBron, you have AD, may, you know, you have Reeves, maybe you have Rui. And then from there, I think D'Angelo Russell is like a top five talent on this roster. And, you know, when, when the, the team is built the way that it is, and when the Lakers prioritize free agency in the way that they did, and hard cap themselves in in the process of doing so, that makes him that much more important and that talent that much more important to figure out on the court. And then, you know, when you look at avenues that the Lakers can take to improve their team, uh, D'Angelo Russell's, I think he's going to be about 17 and change this year. Um, that That contract, it isn't expiring, and he doesn't have a a team option what i'm told is that the lakers offered him two and 40 uh with a a team option on the on the second year of that but his team kind of recognized that like what was kind of going on there where maybe they don't uh have as much faith that that option would be picked up so they gave back a little bit of money for a player option instead which means that d'angelo russell will be making 20 mil next year that he may not otherwise have been making um, under under the circumstances of that contract, um, but if they if that is right the way that uh, this goes down, um, and and because he has that player option, maybe he isn't worth quite as much on the trade market. But if you're stacking contracts, that is going to be really important. So I'm hoping that, and I think the Lakers are hoping that. D'Angelo Russell, the player, is valuable enough to be kept through to the end of the season. And then, you know, if he picks up his player option, cool. If not, maybe he signs for longer, right? Like the 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 best case scenario here is that D'Angelo Russell steps up in whatever role that the Lakers ask him to play. I still think he's going to be their starting like guard, right? He calls himself a hooper, but like I, I have him starting next to Reeves with Vincent coming off of the bench. And if he plays well in that role, and he, if he somehow plays better in the playoffs than he did, and he is a part of the Lakers, again, building on the momentum that they that they built last year, 
then the Lakers would happily have him pick up that option. They would probably happily extend his contract uh, beyond that option if if that's what it comes down to. But if not, then he is probably the guy that the Lakers would be looking to move to improve this team. And um, what that looks like is going to be really interesting to see. It's tougher to move a guy with that much money on the books next season. But, uh, you know, when, when, you, when you're looking at what the Lakers have to offer outside of him, that 2029 first-round pick, uh, I, I think that's enough to get an impact player with Russell who also makes up for what it would, you know, what removing him from the rotation would mean. So who that player would be and what that player would look like it remains to be seen. I I was told as of last night, I haven't checked back in on it today. Um, actually, no, I, I take that back. I uh, As of this afternoon, um, I'm told that he, I don't know if it's necessarily that he's being shopped, but that the Lakers are still kind of sending feelings, feelers out there just to see what can be done there. We still haven't really seen any like role player for role player trades that, the NBA is still terrified to do really anything right now. So chances are he starts to see the, the season with the Lakers. Um, but, you know, just for those who are curious, curious, um, he can be traded uh, up until January 6th when at that point he would be signing his contract. So um, if he signs that contract with the understanding that he would be traded, then, you know, that would be the sign and trade scenario there. But uh, if he signs that contract and it and and if he does so with the intent to be a Laker, then he wouldn't be able to tr- be traded until December fifteenth. So, um, my guess is he starts the season with the Lakers, and then by the deadline, they start looking at their options uh, with with what they could get for him and draft compensation to, you know, potentially upgrade their roster. Which again, like I said earlier, you know, like I was. Like I wrote for Substack, and like and like I've said on, on on Twitter, excuse me, live audio, right? Um, but as I've been told uh, on Twitter, why are you so negative all the time? I'm not negative. It's not me being negative. I'm just pointing out what the Lakers' options would have been if they would have pursued this other path, uh, the path that I would have preferred. But as they didn't, if they move D'Angelo Russell, if they move Torian Prince, right, that one of their other non minimum contracts, if they move Gabe Vincent, um, when what whoever it is that they bring back is going to have to make up for and be in addition to the collective talent despite replacing rotation players in return. Whereas if the Lakers would have kept Beasley at the number he was at and kept Bamba at the number he was at, those guys don't really figure into... Like Bamba, if he resigns, is going to be the third center here, right? Um, Beasley, if he resigns, is going to be the sixth guard um, and had they re-signed at the numbers that they were at and you trade those guys for an impact player, then you don't have to worry about like replacing their minutes in the rotation. All you're doing is adding to the rotation. Um, but it, that isn't the path that they took. And if they do move Russell, if they do move their, uh, some of their other non-min contracts, then they're going to have to, it does get a little bit more complicated. Uh, the other thing that might complicate that as well is because of the type of contract that D'Angelo Russell signed, he has one of those like pseudo uh, no trade clauses where he can actually veto a trade depending on 
where it is that the Lakers send him. But but still, I am really hoping for, I've always liked D'Angelo Russell's game, especially in the regular season. I think he's an exciting player to have on the roster. He really wants to be a Laker. He really wants to make this work. And um, I, I, I also am really rooting for, for him to make it work as a Laker and not just be seen as a trade asset over the course of the season. Going to take a quick look through the uh, comments here, and I'm seeing a couple questions. I, you know what? Um, no, I'm not going to answer them quite yet. We have a lot to get to. We have a ton to get to. So let's go ahead and get to the next player that I have on this list, and that is Gabe Vincent, the Lakers' uh, non-taxpayer mid-level exception signing. Uh, Gabe Vincent signs for like 12.4-ish, I think. Not all of the non-taxpayer money that they could have given out which is important because during buyout season, the Lakers will be able to offer some player more than the prorated minimum um, because they didn't use all of their non-taxpayer mid-level exception money or just taxpayer mid-level exception money, whatever it would have been. But uh, if if uh, in this case, Vincent's a fascinating one. Sometimes I find myself thinking like, you know, his numbers are very similar to Dennis Schroeder. He's not as long defensively, which changes some stuff there. But then the other part of the day, I'll be thinking, yeah, but that shot looks a lot cleaner. It's a lot quicker. Defenses are going to care a lot more about him shooting compared to De- uh, compared to Dennis Schroeder. Um, you know, it's it's and 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 the reality is usually somewhere in the middle there. The reality is usually that, like, yeah, ideally, you. You know, your biggest acquisition isn't somebody who I think is uh, slated for your backup point guard minutes. Like, ideally, your biggest acquisition after reaching the Western Conference Finals would be a starter. Um, and we'll see. Like, it's still possible. And this is this kind of goes back to what Rob Palenka said when he was first hired as, a, as a, you know, lead executive of the Los Angeles Lakers was we really want guys to compete. We want a culture of competition and D'Angelo Russell and Gabe Vincent are going to be competing for that second, those, those, those second guard minutes, uh, who gets it. I don't know. I, I, I legitimately don't know. I Russell is the more talented player. Vincent is somebody. I think that they envision being a Laker, but clearly they, they gave him a longer term deal than they did. Russell, they they see Vincent being a, a Laker longer than Russell right now, so um, yeah, how that turns out is going to be really interesting to watch. But uh, yeah, I am I am still here. Anthony Irwin is still alive. Barely, my voice is shot. I cannot wait for August when I can talk significantly less. Um, but yeah, I I like I like Gabe Vincent the player. I asked around. And the consensus on uh, on Vincent is that he's a dog defensively, happily takes the big shot, um, does not shy away from the moment, and uh, somebody who who fits really well with with LeBron. He's a little on the small side for my liking, but and, and you know, and the reason that that matters is because him next to Reeves makes your backcourt a little small, a little thin, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, for for what the Lakers are signing him for, he's a you know without 
you know, maybe maybe there were guards you know, like Bruce Brown, right? Would have been the perfect guard, but he went for twice as much money as as Vincent did, right? So, uh, in this case, Vincent for the money, the money, the the money the Lakers spent on him, fine, perfectly fine. Uh, I just I just don't know that he's the type of player that I would have hard capped myself for. But in terms of just basketball, fits really really well. Knocked down 37% of his uh, open threes last year, uh, which, you know, that was the regular season, right? Uh, in the postseason, he was absolutely bananas from deep um, in, in every way that you can possibly be. But in the regular season, even though he shot, you know, 33-ish percent uh, from deep, a lot of those were off of the dribble. A lot of those are contested and and brought his number down a little bit. But if he's taking more open shots this year, and if he is, you know, given the space that he's going to get playing next to AD and LeBron, and uh, you know, operating as, you know, the 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 first pass out of, you know, some kind of action with Reeves and AD or Reeves and LeBron, um, and he is, you know, the ball rotates over to him, and he can either kick it to the corner, attack a closeout, or take an open jumper himself. Like that's that's a good role for him, and occasionally he's going to be running that pick and roll as well. Something that he is quite capable at um, in, in his own right. Not quite as good as some of the Lakers' other options, but but still very good. So um, yeah, I, I like the signing. I like uh, what you know. If, if the Lakers are going to use that that or you know, seeing as they did use that NTMLE, he was a perfectly fine candidate to get it from. Uh, now it's just a matter of like seeing what it all looks like in practice and finding out if he was, if he is the caliber of player who um, makes it worth it to hard cap yourself. Oh, taking a little longer here. All right, let's go with the next one here. That's Torian Prince, uh, a wing six eight guy who can shoot thirty seven percent from three point range. I'm on board. I like it. Uh, I would have been, I would have been perfectly fine if the Lakers would have brought him in at the number, uh, you know, that they did, and used only their taxpayer mid-level exception money, and then added to the roster beyond him. That would have been a perfectly fine offseason uh, to me, uh, as like that is the kind of tweak that you make with that little amount of money to work with in the free agency market. Um, as it stands, though. He, again, like both he and Vincent, like I don't think either of them are going to start, right? So you're going to have, you're still going to have Russell, Reeves, Rui, LeBron, and AD as your starters. But Torian Prince being able to come off of the bench and provide spacing um, is going to be really important. He also, like, he moves his feet you know, pretty well for somebody 6'8". So if the Lakers decide to go, like, super-duper big, they could technically play him at the 2 and still have either Rui or Vando there uh, to provide spacing. If you look at just their like all bench group right now, that right now is slated to be Gabe Vincent, Max Christie, Torian Prince, Vando, and Hayes. Uh, what that looks like is going to be really interesting. I, I I really hope that we don't get the full hockey sub rotation as we saw last year, and we get I, we get a little bit more, uh, you know, staggering and stuff, but. Still, if if that's your group for just you know five minutes here, five minutes there, um, 
Torian Prince provides spacing. Vando can get after it defensively. Vincent also um, gets after it. Max is a very good defender. Hayes, I am really nervous about. It's just being like the backup big right now. But yeah, I, I think uh, Prince is, is, you know, when the signing happens, one thing that I always look for is the reaction from the team that that player just came from. And now we got some of that reaction earlier when uh, he was renounced, his rights were renounced, and, and they didn't pick up his option. Uh, but once he was signed, you saw a lot of people from Minnesota being like, ah, man, I'm going to miss him. Because they were uh, they were better with him on the court last year. He's a, a, a good wing, a solid defender, knocks down and willingly takes uh, three-pointers. That's exactly the kind of player that I, I like to have in my rotation to get 20 minutes or so uh, in, in, in any good team's rotation. So Prince is a solid signing, somebody I'm looking forward to watch play uh, here with the Lakers. This one went a little under the radar. Apparently, the Lakers had a team option on on Jared Vanderbilt um, to pay him. I think next year he's making 4.7 mil, just in an obscene contract, in an obscene value. I love it. I, it was funny today to like, and, and I'm usually pretty good with this stuff, uh, but it was funny today to be like, yeah, the Lakers picked up Jared Vanderbilt's option. I was like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? I thought he was just back. Um, and, and, and I think part of that is because kind of like with Reeves, there was never any discussion internally about, you know, a scenario here where Vando wouldn't have been back. Um, the other thing I liked uh, from him, and I mentioned this either on this show or on all access Lakers was how, uh, you look at the clips that we've seen from him working out thus far. And it is a lot of like, you know, catch and floater catch and finish right away catch one dribble floater in the paint you know and 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 quick decisions finishing from the dunker spot and i really like when players really focus on practical steps forward in their game and in this case that's exactly what what vando has been doing so again it's only one clip it was a 30 second clip from a you know full ass off season but there's there are a few things that make me just kind of like scratch my head, you know, that like annoying. I don't know how many of you guys listening or watching right now are parents, but like, you know, you, you rub your forehead. You're like, you know, that frustrated. You, you really, Dwight, you need to work on threes, huh? That's what you're working on. All right. Um, in this case, I see I see Vando working the way that he was. And I was like, all right. Hell yeah, he gets it. And And by the way. This was always the case. I've I've always thought that Jared Vanderbilt understands what it what it kind of takes to be an important role player who lasts in the NBA. Um, I, I I fully expect him to play well enough this year that we start to hear extension talks or certainly re-signing talks uh, when we talk this time next uh, next summer. All right, last couple here. Uh, the Lakers did sign a backup center. I mentioned him already. Jackson Hayes uh, was renounced by New Orleans and has been up and down there, both on and off the court, as he is currently facing a lawsuit 
from his ex-girlfriend alleging domestic violence and, um, you know, wrongful imprisonment. It's kind of a pretty gross case there. Also, uh, you know, serving a punishment for a domestic violence incident in which he also got into it with police. Um, I wrote about this for Substack and I've tweeted this already that unfortunately this is, this has now become a trend for the Lakers under Palinka that they, that they, uh, you know, they, I guess if you want to look at it in the optimistic way, in the positive way, they really value second chances. If you want to look at it in the other way, they don't necessarily care about this stuff. But anyway, the basketball player, super springy, explosive center, a big body, um, kind of reminds me of early, early, early JaVale, who like, I don't know if those of you listening remember the, the, the series that the Lakers played against JaVale when it was Andrew Bynum going up against JaVale and you had like two really exciting young centers um, facing off in that series. And on one hand, uh, on one end, you had kind of a loafing, bigger, solid, big and Andrew Bynum. And on the other side, you had JaVale McGee, who just dunked everything as soon as he touched the ball. Um, and it was a really kind of fascinating matchup for two really young centers. And um, he kind of reminds me of that young JaVale, where he just, if he catches it, he's looking to dunk it. And um, if somebody drives into the basket, he's looking to block that shot to kingdom come. Uh, he does get himself into trouble, over-rotating, over-committing. Um, on defense, he isn't the most aware help side defender, and that is something that the Lakers are really going to be working on. And and look, I said this on All Access Lakers when I said that this is a guy that I could see the Lakers really investing in because we know how much Rob likes pedigree. We know how much they trust uh, Phil Handy and the rest of the player development staff. So they believe that they'll be able to get the most out of him. And if they are able to get enough out of him, then that is a, a a legit backup big who, like, you know, if AD is playing really well, you don't really need much from your big. You just need to, to last those minutes. And if he plays well enough, then he is uh, capable of, of, of fulfilling that role. That said, I'm told and uh, that the Lakers are still looking to find a third big here. I believe they're kind of debating between Mo Bamba and Tristan Thompson. Mo Bamba is the better player of the two. Tristan Thompson is the steadier locker locker room presence of that two. Um, and you know whoever it is that they bring in there, uh, if it's Bamba, probably he probably pushes Jackson Hayes to being like the third big on the team. Not probably does. If it's Thompson, he is the third big, but he's kind of that break glass in case of emergency big who. If Hayes doesn't have it, if Hayes never really figures this out, then you start really relying on on uh, Thompson. And this is another spot here where the Lakers hard capping themselves make me a little nervous, right? Because if it doesn't work out, you can't like cycle through minimum contracts here because you're going to run up against that hard cap. Um, and then on top of that, because the Lakers, again, didn't bring back those contracts at, at higher numbers, you aren't able to really... Like, I don't want to use D'Angelo Russell's contract on a backup big. You know, I don't want to use Torian Prince's contract on a backup big because I think Prince is going to be an important part of the rotation. But if it was Beasley's contract at 16, or even if they would, 
And you know, maybe maybe they bring back Beasley at like five or six uh, on on a on an expiring contract at like five or six that you can turn into a meaningful backup big, right? That's about what say Mason Plumlee is probably going to go for. Um, and if that's the case, then all right, then then you can you can address it and not be too nervous about the hard cap. Um, but but outside of that, uh, yeah, it, it's you know this is a gamble. Hayes is a gamble. He's a you know he's he's like putting your money on a number playing roulette. Man, if he hits, awesome. If not, you know you're kind of kicking yourself because you're like, all right, really, I, I probably shouldn't have bet that. But uh, yeah, it. it I also am curious how he handles the physicality that is going to be expected of him in that position because he is um, he's springy and he's all of those things, which normally those players are pretty easy to move um, or get out of position with pump fakes and stuff like that. Um, if that is the case, then I do think Thompson probably makes a little bit more sense just to have more muscle, more oomph there. Um, if if he is, you know, the player that the Pelicans anticipated he could be when they drafted him as high as they did, then yeah, the Lakers got a a legit backup caliber big on a veteran's minimum. All right. Um we already kind of went over the draft, but now that we see the rotation as it stands in front of us, you can kind of start to see where guys fit in, right? Jalen hood Jafino is going to be, you know, your kind of, uh, he, he's your fifth guard as it stands right now. He is your third point guard as it stands right now, maybe even fourth, uh, depending on, on what you want to call D'Angelo Russell, which makes sense for a rookie pick 17th. He'll play occasionally, Sometimes he'll look good. Sometimes he won't have it. Um, and, and you know, fortunately uh, for, for, for Shafino, he gets to play his minutes. I would think they're going to try to play him as often as they can with, with Anthony Davis, who makes his life easier as a pick-and-roll uh, partner. The thing that makes me a little nervous here with Shafino, like I said earlier, the shooting. The, the shooting isn't quite there, and... Uh, you know, he understands it, and it's something that he is already working on, which, again, just like I talked about with Vanderbilt, that <laughs> that <laughs> that kind of stuff really makes me excited when somebody that young gets that. Um, but as it stands right now, when he is brought in, he's going to have to play next to Reeves. He's going to have to play next to Russell or Vincent uh, just to make sure that the Lakers have enough shooting out there to not stress about a ball handler not being able to to shoot it. So um, he, I think, has a real chance here to play some, not, not I wouldn't say particularly meaningful minutes, but some like legit minutes. Um, Maxwell Lewis, not, not quite the same. They have so, the Lakers have so many wings right now that, uh, you know, it would probably take an injury or crazy ass foul trouble or both. Uh, to see Lewis in there. I do think he's going to get a lot of time with the South Bay Lakers and a ton of time with the player development uh, team to turn an otherwise pretty raw talent right now into a more impactful NBA player. But yeah, I, I think both of these guys are interesting kind of plugs into 
this roster given the other things that we've seen the Lakers do. So excited to see what those guys look like, especially with the, with the South Bay Lakers as um, you know, again, and look, playoff teams don't normally have a ton of minutes for, for rookies. We saw it last year with Max Christie who looked good when he was out there. Um, in, in this case, that's probably going to be, you know, the Lakers are probably going to follow that, follow that rule. All right. 45 minutes in, uh, I, I could talk about the need, but I've mentioned it already. And, and again, I'm told that the Lakers are kind of debating internally between Mo Bamba and Tristan Thompson. Uh, we'll see which direction they go there, but I guess I'll go through some, uh, questions here, uh, as man, look at all these comments. This is awesome. 200 and something people in here. Uh, let's see. So I'll go here with Alexis. Do you sign Malik to prevent him to go to another team and also uh, a center to bring it to 15. I, man, I don't think the Lakers are going to enter the season next year with, with 15 guys. That's not Rob Polinka's style. And when you're up against the tax, right? If you're at 15 guys or if not, not up against the tax, but if you're up against the hard cap with 15 guys and you have to waive somebody, that number stays there and it makes it, that much more difficult to continue to fit play, players into your uh, payroll and stay below that that first apron, which I believe is like 172.4. The Lakers currently sit at 164 after they sign uh, Lewis. So you have $8 bucks average uh, veteran minimum salary, depending on the age, obviously. Isn't that like two and change or three million dollar range. And, um, and yeah, I think, uh, my guess is that goes, you know, the 14th spot goes to a big who offers you a little bit of help in case Hayes doesn't have it. But, you know, I guess there's an outside chance at Malik coming back, um, you know, just to add some much needed shooting. Uh, this goes from Arsh Singh. Uh, I like Vando at starting uh, at, at small forward, but Rui to finish games for us. Uh, thoughts? I see it. I get it. You know, depending on how much shooting the Lakers have otherwise, this is where it's really important to see what Russell does from the perimeter, what Vincent and Reeves do for from the perimeter. But uh, Vando does give you a little bit more foot speed there. Um, LeBron at this stage of his career is kind of a, a hulking power forward. And if you have him next to another kind of thicker wing, that makes you a little slow in that regard. But that's something that can be made up for by Davis's, you know, being a pterodactyl and the way that, say, Vincent and Reeves uh, or, or even Russell. Russell was better defensively than I thought he was going to be, certainly in the regular season. That fell off a cliff in the postseason as the rest of his game did. But um, I, could, I get, I understand where, like, the... The wheels are spinning there with Vando starting, but I also don't think the Lakers signed Rui to 17 million bucks to bring him off of the bench. This one's interesting from Andrew Craig. Are we waiting on LeBron's surgery news or is he going to write it out with no tendons in his foot? Um, I'm not going to dive to, you know, dig too deep into the, the, the journalism aspect of this. Cause I know there are few things that turn people off. I just saw somebody leave just now <laughs> mention journalism Bye. um, I'm not going to go into it too deep, but I do think this is an example of LeBron 
having his thumb over the things that get reported about him um, and and when they get reported about him. We haven't heard about this because LeBron doesn't want us to have heard about this yet. Maybe he got it, maybe he didn't. Um, but yeah, what we know to this point is exactly what LeBron wants us to know. And if he does get it, and if it does get leaked out there, um, and by the way, like a lot of times players will, so like, I think LeBron, I'd, I'd have to talk to Jen about this, but I think LeBron, you know, depending on the surgery, say it's like a four to six or a six to eight week, um, recovery period. A lot of times players, uh, will take a break, let their body recover and, you know, go on vacation, spend some time with their families and stuff. And then, you know, get their surgery a little bit deeper into uh, the off season with still enough time to be healthy by training camp. And that wouldn't necessarily surprise me here with LeBron. But uh, one thing is for sure, we will only know about it if LeBron wants us to know about it. All right. Um, let's go one more question here before my voice gives out completely. Uh, already answered that about Vando and Rui. Already answered whether or not I'm alive. Uh, yeah, let's go. All right. Let's go. Last question here from Rich Garcia. If they don't get a big guy or a guy like Damian Lillard, uh, they will be the same last year. Remember LeBron, uh, 39. AD misses 35 games a year. Uh, if they're if they're both out at the same time, who's playing? I mean, look, there's nothing that the Lakers could do. and And this is where, like, I am realistically hard on the Lakers. It doesn't matter who the Lakers bring in. If LeBron and AD are both out at the same time, the team's going to suck. Like it does it, realistically speaking, uh, you know, because it's not like you can go out and sign Giannis uh, or just trade scraps for Giannis. Uh, if LeBron and AD are gone, you're just not going to be very good. And yeah, that makes me nervous because like you're saying, they do miss a lot of time. So that is something that the Lakers have to kind of factor into all of this. And that also, by the way, is kind of why I wanted them to, wanted them to pursue the path that led to having more money on their payroll uh, to be able to you know open up your margin for error in case those guys miss some time. That is not the path that the Lakers took. Uh, and, and yeah, it does limit their margin for error here. Now, uh, for, you know, what kind of steps forward I've, I've been, I'm on the record saying that this is like probably a marginal step forward here, personnel wise compared to last year. The big difference here is seeing like, it's funny. I, I deal with foot problem, foot problems. I have, uh, arthritis and if I, I occasionally I have a flare-up and I just won't be able to put weight properly on my foot and you guys know this you guys have seen the videos I love to shoot baskets on Avery's little Fisher Price thing and um, you know the other day I, I had kind of a, a bit of a flare-up my right foot was kind of bugging me and I went up to shoot and and it was just I, I couldn't lift off of that foot properly and it was just an absolute brick and like there was just like this like epiphanic moment because everybody was just kind of st watching LeBron shoot. And you're like, what, how can he not shoot all of a sudden? But if he's having foot problems and he's shooting from 30 feet away, of course that shot's not going to look the same, right? And one thing that really gave it away to me was the way that he was missing. He, it was, it was, there was no like consistent miss. It wasn't like he was tired and everything was short. 
It wasn't like he was amped and everything was long. Uh, it wasn't like he was aiming it and you were missing right and left. It was every kind of miss that you can imagine. And I think that kind of signified to me, um, having been there, obviously not at the same level, but having been there, of what it kind of feels like when your body isn't right and you're still trying to shoot and you're still trying to shoot confidently, even though you don't necessarily have confidence in it. And um, so, yeah, I, I think LeBron being a little healthier, maybe AD comes back next season and a little bit, you know, with a better understanding of what makes him special if he does play center. I hope he's a little trimmer next year than he was this year. And he can actually do that because the Lakers are going to have more um, size surrounding him on the perimeter. So, yeah, I, I, I think those are two big factors. Reeves could take a step forward. Rui can take a step forward. Vincent can fit better with both units than uh, Dennis Schroeder did at times because of the shooting ability. And, and that's the way that the Lakers take a meaningful step forward. But as of right now, like if I was just to stack the two rosters up against each other, the one that we saw finish last year, and the one that we see right now, I, I'd say it was a pretty similar uh, amount of talent on both of those teams, and uh, and yeah, it's just a matter of like the stuff on the peripheries improving that brings the collective up. Um, all right, that is going to do it here for this episode, this live edition episode of the Lakers Lowdown. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Another huge night here, um, a fun week ahead of, for, for everybody, not just because of the shows that I have lined up, but because we have basketball. Like We're going to be able to see uh, Max, uh, well, Lewis, and, and Jalen Hushafino, and, and Max Christie, and, and Colin Castleton, and, and a lot of these guys at the Lakers. I think Scottie Pippen Jr. is still on the Summer League team. Um, we, we get to see all of this go down. Uh, I think as soon as Wednesday, I I've been so deep in, in, in free agency that, you know, Raj mentioned it the other day, like, yeah, we get basketball next week. He was like, of course we do. And I can't wait. I legitimately cannot wait. So we are going to be doing some fun stuff with that as well as keeping you posted as, uh, over the next few days, I do think we are still going to get kind of a trickle of rumors of what the Lakers are doing position, you know, to position themselves, to make a couple deals here and there. Um, before all of these contracts are finalized. So I'll keep you posted on, on that front as well. And then as per usual, we have our, you know, a really fun group of guests to tune into here on uh, the Lakers Lounge. Right now, this is a lowdown, but on Lakers Lounge episodes throughout this week. So until then, and until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin. Thank you. Have a good one, everybody. <laughs>